is another edition of your sports fix with the sports pulse Devin ashby we just want to say happy holidays to everybody out there first of all it's winding down to the days before christmas you know so and hanukkah and kwanzaa and whatever else you guys out there are celebrating so shout out to everybody and hope everybody's having a safe holiday but a lot happened this past week in the in the world of sports. The biggest news of this past week is arguably one of the biggest wins in recent memory for the Washington football franchise, and that is their huge 23-17 upset over the Pittsburgh Steelers on my, this past Monday night. And I got to say, watching that game, I mean, it's been in my short time here on earth it's been a number of games that I've seen that are like defying moments for the for this team over the years I mean one of the most recent ones had to be in my lifetime had to be when they clinched the division in 2012 with RG3 during his rookie year you know that one was a big one when they when Kirk Cousins beat Philadelphia a couple years ago for that division title that was probably another one you know they beat the breaks off Green Bay a couple years ago again with Kirk Cousins even though they didn't go on to win the division that year but this win was bigger almost than all of those aside of maybe the RG3 one first of all this the first win over Pittsburgh in two decades they they hadn't beaten them since November of 1991 and granted, they don't play them every year, so that's not exactly the most accurate stat. But, like, 1991, it, regardless of how often a year that you play somebody, that's a long time between wins. And so they finally beat them. They beat them on the road. Granted, there's no fans, but they beat them on the road, you know, secondly. And then it's the way that they beat them. First of all, they went down 14 nothing early. But even when they went down 14 nothing, you just still felt like the game was within reach. I mean, first of all, Chase Young is an absolute monster. <laughs> He's an absolute monster. He had a huge goal line stand down at the one-yard line that ended. I, I feel like made ended up being the difference in the game because, like I said, they, they won 23-17 if – now, granted, they scored, like, on the very next possession, but, I mean, that was a huge goal line stand, and who knows what would have happened in the game had they, you know, not been able to make that stop at the goal line. You know, Chase Young is just a monster, but Montez Sweat is having a sensational year. I want to say that I was kind of sort of wrong about him because I was really rough on him last year because he just came so slow out the gate. But people were like, you know, you got to give him time because of some of the left tackles he was going up against. And then he started to pick up steam at the end of the year. And he's kind of carried that momentum over into this year. And he obviously was a couple weeks ago against, or yeah, a couple weeks ago against Dallas. He had a big interception return for touchdown, batting passes down. But he did it again this week. He tipped the pass and, you know, it ended up being the game-sealing interception for John Bostick that ultimately ended up giving us the ball game and, you know, him. But 
the, the I feel like the unsung hero of the season, at least so far, has been I can't say enough about Alex Smith. You know, we already know it's well documented his story about coming back from a life threatening injury, let alone a career threatening injury. I feel like Alex Smith solidified the comeback player of the year award. Like I feel like it was already trending in his favor anyway, but this win and especially if he is able to will this team into a playoff spot, the award at this point is his to lose. And I don't think he's going to lose. I mean, Alex Smith, they said it's ridiculous. He's he's been he's now three and one since coming back as a full time starter. You know, this team, I mean, there were times in this game where it was absolutely like, bro, throw the ball down the field. Like it, it was it was at times you just it's mad I remember somebody on the radio said it's very maddening to watch him sometimes. But he's just so consistent. Like, you know, he doesn't make huge mistakes most of the time. You know, he he'll th- he'll throw an interception here or there, but for the most part he doesn't make big mistakes he's not gonna put you in situations that will cost the defense you know he's very smart with the ball and then he was taking deep shots you know this past game he was throwing down the ball you know this but they had some unsung heroes you know when Antonio Gibson went down with a turf toe injury you know you figured that could be a huge chunk of the offense you know Terry McLaurin was for the most part shut down statistically speaking he only had I think two catches so a lot of guys stepped up Logan Thomas had a sensational ball game nine catches 98 yards and the big touchdown a big touchdown in the game to help them tie it you know Cam Sims is you know continued to ascend as a third year player you know he wasn't even on the radar for the first two years of his career and now he's just it seemed like every other week this dude is just making big play after big play, and he did it again today. He had a big one-handed catch, helped them get the lead, things like that. So this team seems to be trending in the right direction. And more importantly than all this, this was a huge win for the fact that you're keeping pace with the New York Giants, who own the tiebreaker over you. They pulled off a big, stunning upset over Seattle the Sunday before, and then you know for them to turn around and beat Pittsburgh like they did was incredible. So... So it was a very big win for that reason because you you really, like I said, want to keep up and keep pace with New York because of that upset they pulled over Seattle. Now, like, had they lost to Pittsburgh, that would have been some serious ground that you would have had to cover over the next few weeks. And now not only that win versus Pittsburgh not only puts you at a tie atop the NFC East, but even if you don't win out your division, even if New York ultimately clinches the division, now Washington is in a crazy position because of this new expanded playoff this year that they've put themselves in a position for the wild card berth too because there's a new they added a seventh team to each side they're tied with Minnesota for that seventh wild card spot as well so even if you don't win your division if you can win out the games or at least play well enough over the next couple of weeks and have Minnesota get a loss here or there you could be looking at a wild card spot too you know, they've put themselves in an amazing position with this win. It's just a matter of if they can keep this momentum going because, you know, they've currently won three games in a row. It's just can they keep this momentum going? So, you know, but the point is, regardless of a lot of things, 
we're going to look back on this season, I feel like, and think, look, this, regardless of what happens, this team has is the most competitive that it has been in years. You know, Ron Rivera has come in here and he's made a lot of questionable decisions. A lot of head scratchers. You know, there's been a lot of mixed signals, especially at the beginning of the year when things weren't going well. But he is really, to his credit, in spite of everything he's dealt with as well in his own personal life with cancer and different things, him and plenty of his guys have come in here and turned this team around way quicker than I expected. And I remember at the beginning of the year, before the season started, you know, Dan has been on here many a times and said it would be a huge accomplishment if this team could win seven games and they're a couple games away from that total. I mean, they're, you know, they're looking at way more than a seven win season at this point, if you know, they can keep this momentum up because it could all be for nothing if they don't come out and perform over the last few weeks of the season. But if they can keep this momentum up, I mean, this could be a huge thing for this team and the building blocks and this culture that Ron Rivera and Jack W and all these people are obviously trying to establish here in the nation's capital. This this is something huge to look forward to. But again, it's all about building on this. And I, I just hope over that they don't let this huge win get to their heads and that they just keep their heads down and keep building because there's still a long way to go to decide this thing. And yeah, you know, that that was the problem with this team in years past. You would come off a big win win like this, and then have a couple letdowns over the next couple of weeks. Like I remember, Jay Gruden went into Seattle a couple of years ago, and they went into Seattle and won a huge game. Then the next week, they laid an egg, you know. And then a couple of weeks after, that, and they ended up missing the playoffs that year, even after in spite of that big win. That cannot happen this year. You know, you have to keep building. We're about to see if they can keep focus and, you know, obviously keep pace with the Giants and maybe even pass them. But the good news is that the Giants have a very tough schedule over the next several weeks. And unless they just keep on ascending, they're due for a slip up or two. You, you, I mean, as a football fan, you hope that they, they, as a Washington football fan, they, they if, if they could, lose a game or two over the next couple of weeks and you just keep on going up, you you have a division win, you know, in your hands. But we say all this to say, I mean, at this point, essentially, it's a two-man race in the NFC East. Like, granted, the, the division is mathematically still wide open. Dallas and Philly, are, I mean, New York and Washington are just so light years ahead of Dallas and Philly at this point, And it's almost laughable to think that either one of those two teams will just turn things around, especially because in Philadelphia, it seems like they're waving the white flag with Carson Wentz and handing over the reins to the young pup, uh, Jalen Hurts. You know, that was some other huge news this week that Jalen Hurts is now the new starter in Philadelphia, you know, and a lot of things about that. First of all, you know me, I'm always here. I'm always rooting for black quarterbacks on this. This is a black quarterback stand account over here. So, you know, I, I hope, part of me hopes Jalen Hurts has success. Hopefully not at our expense, obviously, because we still have one game left against them. But, you know, I root for black quarterbacks over here. But at the same time, I can't help but wonder, like, this, my, this cliff that Carson Wentz has fallen off of in his progression and development as an NFL quarterback 
is unlike any other quarterback I've ever seen in my lifetime. Like this, the only thing that this might be close to it, that I've seen is RG3. Like just the sensational rookie year that he had and then they just continue to fall off the cliff year after year because of injuries. Wentz has kind of sort of went through the same thing. I mean, in 2017, granted that wasn't his rookie year, but 2017 was, I think, his second or third year. He had an MVP caliber season and was on his way before a massive knee injury that caused him the playoffs. You know, Nick Foles obviously steals his thunder and goes on to bring Philly their first Super Bowl title. And then in the years since then, Wentz has suffered multiple injuries and he's dealt with multiple questions about can he do it? Because Foles has done it. Now it was like, yo, Wentz, I mean, you know, Wentz wasn't the Super Bowl. I mean, he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but he wasn't the guy who did it for them. So he's had to live with these questions and you just feel bad for him. And then it makes things even more awkward because he just signed a huge four-year extension. So even if they're committed to Jalen Hurts, they can't do nothing with Wentz. You know, they can't cut him because it'll cost them significantly in dead cap space. Something like, I can't remember how much, but it was some huge astronomical number because of the way they signed the deal. So it's not like they can cut Carson. I mean, they could trade him to a quarterback-ready team, but I feel like his asking price will be high and... I don't know how much teams would be willing to give up. So they're basically stuck with Carson. And if they're not committed to him long-term, they are certainly doing long-term damage to his confidence. I mean, just drafting Jalen alone was the first step they went wrong. Secondly, they've continued to... I mean, they just didn't build... It. That team is awful. You know, the offensive line is trash. They made some very questionable... I mean, on top of drafting Jalen Hurts, the fact they did not draft Justin Jefferson and they had a chance to do so they they had a Minnesota picked him a selection after they picked the guy Jalen Rieger they had a chance to draft Justin Jefferson and just didn't do it they tried getting CD Lamb but you know Dallas traded up ahead of them to do that but they didn't draft Justin Jefferson when they had a chance you know that was another questionable decision on their part but because I thought for sure they were going to do it. And when they didn't, it kind of shocked me, even as a person that was thankful they didn't do it. <laughs> you know? So it's just a lot of questions going forward in Philly. And then obviously Dallas is a mess. You know, Dak's injury is a question mark. But even if he wasn't, even if he wasn't injured, I mean, he was due for a contract and it seemed very pretentious. And I just don't see... I mean, maybe I'm whatever. I feel like I don't see Dak anywhere else, but at the same time, I wonder how he's going to feel about the fact that the organization didn't take care of him when they had a chance to. And now he's kind of, you know, in a precarious position with his money and things because of his injury. You know, and Mike McCarthy is looking every day like maybe this wasn't the right hire. It It just doesn't seem to be functioning very well. It's a lot going on in Dallas, like... And it could just be because of injuries. It could be because of Rona. It could be because of a lot of things. But it just, I did not, we did not expect Dallas. Well, we, let me not say it. It's, I don't think, it's a lot of people that I don't think expected Dallas to be this bad. But we say all that to say that this seems like a very obvious two-man race but at the top of the NFC East, which all of a sudden doesn't look as bad anymore as it did. Granted, both teams, the two top teams are five and seven, I get it. But they're both headed in the direction to prove that they are very much competitive 
regardless of what the record's saying, that they're not just going to be an e- the the winner of the NFC East is not just going to be an easy out in the playoffs. Is what it's looking like now. Like these two teams have showed that they can beat anybody. You know, granted, on any given Sunday or on any given Monday or on any given Tuesday, really. <laughs> like you know, with the way this season's going, so that's something to look at going forward. You know, but you know, I guess to move on in the college football world, they're going down the final stretches and, you know, the college football playoff is coming up and Davo Sweeney, who always seems to be in the news for things he said in the past. And a lot of the time it's really just ridiculous stuff. Like what he said about Florida state a couple weeks ago, but now He's once again in the news because he's basically come out and said that he doesn't feel like Ohio State is worthy of a playoff chance because he doesn't see how you can leave out an 11-0 or a 10-1 SEC team like A&M or Florida when in favor of a six, a, a Ohio State team that's played six games. And that's going to ruffle some people and rub some people the wrong way. Some people are going to accuse him of being scared of Ohio State and all that stuff. But, I mean, I have said the same thing in my own private circles before. But it's just part of the fact that this college football season shouldn't be happening. It's a fraudulent season. But it's kind of to that point that, yo, I mean, how can you do that? I mean, that would just kind of prove the fact that this really is a ratings-based system and you might as well have the BCS in place if you're going to do that because... Yeah, like I kind of, this is one of the few times you would see me agree with something stupid Dabo said, or supposedly stupid that Dabo says. Like, this is the one time, I mean, this is something I agreed with him on because I just don't see how you can put Ohio State in, not just over an SEC team in that position, but what about some of these mid-majors that should be ranked a little higher, but kind of were already on the outside looking in before they even began because they're mid-majors and they're not, huge money-grabbing teams. You know, these teams that... you It's, it's almost like the B, BCS in a sense that you kind of already know who the top four, every now and then a fifth or sixth team that'll be in there. You kind of know who the top teams will always be almost. Like, it's, it's getting to that point that it's almost BCS level in nature anyway. <laughs> you know? Like, this is something and I've seen it over the last couple of years of this playoff. Now granted the seasons are way more competitive because of that. You know, the matchups are much better because they're scheduling teams, you know, these home and away series that they've been doing over the years. But here we are again in a situation where a team that's only played six well, actually five because their most recent game got canceled, you know, and now you know, they could potentially, like, it's crazy because according to Big Ten rules, not even college football rules, Big Ten has a rule that you have to play six games to be considered a Big Ten champion. Ohio State has only played five because Michigan canceled their game. And they say it's because of COVID, but I have my conspiracy theories about maybe they knew the rules and tried to one-up Ohio State. You know, I have my conspiracies about that, but I can't prove that, so... (laughs) This ain't a podcast for conspiracy theories, but that that just seemed kind of funny. That just seemed kind of odd because 
Michigan's, Michigan knows the rules too. And obviously, if any way to one-up Ohio State and Ohio State vice versa, even though they don't need gimmicks to do it, the same thing. <laughs> you know, so that being said, the Big Ten now is going to move the goalposts for Ohio State, even though it's pretty blatantly obvious that they are the Big Ten champion. Like, I don't think you would have needed the sixth game to prove that. But it's just, you know, a case of moving the goalposts for your cash cow. I mean, Ohio State, like them or hate them, best team in the Big Ten over the last several years, and they continually, continuously, consistently bring in high TV ratings. Like, nobody's going to watch Wisconsin. Nobody wants to watch Wisconsin. Nobody wants to watch Indiana. And, you know, it's unfortunate that some of those teams earn it and just, you know, because people don't want to watch them. That's always the thing. It's like, who do you, who does the country want to see in the playoff versus who deserves to be there? That's always the conversation, and I don't know if people ever notice that. It's never who deserves it. It's always what brings the good ratings. You know, it's a ratings-driven thing because of TV deals and money and TV deals. Like, you know, so I say all that to say that, I mean, you know, Dabo says a lot of ridiculous and controversial things, but I feel like he got this one right. Whether it's fair to Ohio State, whether it's fair to whatever, I feel like he got this one right. (laughs) You know? And it's not too many times you'll hear me say that because Dabo, obviously, is not always a guy that gets things right. But I feel like he got this one right. But obviously, this just points to a bigger thing that, as I've said a number of times on a number of shows over the last couple of months, this is a fraudulent college football season. (laughs) You know, it really doesn't matter who makes it. Because aside from Alabama and Clemson, aside from those two, Pretty much everybody else, I mean, just because of the circumstances, it doesn't make sense to even be having a college football season. Like, the Pac-12 is ridiculous. You got half of those states under, especially most of the ones in California, under very strict COVID guidelines that in normal circumstances, they wouldn't even be playing right now. (laughs) Like, they shouldn't be. Like, they're under intense lockdowns in these areas a lot of these teams, you got teams that have only played three games. You got some who've played six. You've got some who've played four. Like the Big Ten, who was knocking people's doors down to play, and they're canceling games, and their Big Ten champion might not even be able to legally be able to say they're champion based off their own rules. Like, it's a mess, and it just continues to play itself out that if there is any sport and any league where – it's a fraudulent champion. It will be college ba- uh, football. And then college basketball is kicking off now. And we've seen maybe our first severe consequence out of all this. You know, in Florida State, they had a ball player, Keontae Johnson, collapse on the court. And is in he's in stable condition, but he's still in critical condition. And I really hope for his sake and for the sake of all his teammates and for the sake of the sport itself, because he was one of several players in that program who who had a positive COVID-19 test over the summer. You just hope, you hope for his sake and whatever, and just for whatever that this isn't lingering effects from that. Because if it is, that's criminal. Like, that's almost criminal. Like, you know, I don't even know almost, but that's one of the things they talk about. Like, they're the 
people talk so much of, and and you know I'm not trying to make this a corona focus show but I, I I mean you can't avoid it people talk so much about the fact that it's not that many people who die from it and not nearly enough time is focused on the fact that the people who live the the their quality of life after having this disease or virus or whatever you want to call it is something that is not getting enough attention. People, if, the, if I feel like if the focus would have been on the fact that, yo, you have severe health problems even months. Some people have very severe health problems even months after, after um, getting this. Like there was this marathon runner, I can't remember her name, but she had a 60 Minutes interview where she's documenting stuff. Like she has tremors where her like hands just start losing movement and just like shake and stuff you know she's alone she can't even really run I think they said she'll never really be able to return to running you know because she can't run long she can't even barely walk long distances without getting winded and stuff like this disease is ridiculously scary and you know obviously they're starting to roll the vaccine out for it but now you got people scared to take the vaccine and, and just it's just all type of craziness like that's the thing. This could have that, and especially on these young 18, 19, and 20 year old kids whose kind of way of living, a lot of them is very dependent on their athletic abilities. This could cost a lot of people a lot of money, a lot of opportunities because college universities are so negligent and just focused and fixated on money over quality, over people. And on top of all of that, they're unpaid playing in the middle of a pandemic. You know, at least the NBA and the NFL probably shouldn't be playing either, but at least those dudes are getting paid. These are a bunch of unpaid athletes. They're not even allowed to make money for themselves, let alone being paid by the university. Like this, all the everything about this is just ridiculous. Like, you know, and I feel like I'm running out of new ways to say it every week, but that's because... There, there, I mean, there's what else is there left to say at this point, you know? Like, we said this at the beginning of the summer when all these sports were starting up again. And maybe because it's football, it's way more attention on it. But we were hoping that at some point, common sense and putting people over profits would prevail. And we've seen week after week that we couldn't have been more wrong, you know? <laughs> but... I guess that's college sports for you, you know, you know, but, you know, I guess I hate to end it like that, but I guess, you know, there wasn't a whole lot more to happen this week, but we just know the season's winding down. We got a week to go before Christmas or a couple weeks to go before Christmas, you know, holiday seasons are coming. So we just want to shout everybody out, shout out. To my guy, Dan, you know, starting a new job soon. Shout out to me starting a new job soon, you know. But we thank you guys for listening this week. This has been another edition of Sports Fix with the Sports Balls. Devin Ashby here, and we will see you next week. Deuces.